My guest today is an award-winning journalist and New York Times best-selling author who's been writing on the AIDS epidemic since 1982, starting in gay community papers. He is a former writer of the New York Times, Newsweek, GQ, and is a former and is a current contributing editor at New York Magazine. His debut documentary feature is How to Survive a Plague, which has played at the 2012 Sundance Film Festival, 2012 Outfest Film Festival, 2012 New Directors New Films Festival, as well as various others. Welcome, David France. Well, David, I, I have to say, um, quite an amazing work of cinema, and I'm really curious, as someone who's a first-time filmmaker, but has also been covering the subject for so long, what was the genesis of this documentary project? Well, I had um, been uh, thinking for some time about uh, wanting to go back to look at those playkeepers in America years before um, uh, effective medication became available in 1996, and, and, and try to understand what part of that period that we hadn't paid close attention to. And it occurred to me that, um, that most of the way that we've kind of culturally acknowledged uh, the dark, dark, darkest years, really, of HIV in this country have focused on the tragedy of it, um, and focused on the mystery of a new virus creeping into America and taking a terrible toll. Um, when it's, and anyone who lived through those years knows that it was also a period of great kind of community empowerment and, um, and kind of revolutionary activity in the area of science. And the first time, really, the dawn of uh, patient advocacy at the level of being involved directly uh, in uh, uh, with the researchers at the, the 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 bench who were doing the work to try to find new medication, and that's the story I wanted to tell. I wanted to tell the story of kind of community agency in the uh, in the midst of such a terrible crisis. Mm. And uh, ultimately, it, those years are a story of kind of great triumph, and that part had been lost somehow or overlooked so far. So I wanted to go back and, and, and take a chance, take the opportunity, really, to go and retell that part of the story. Well, I'm curious, too. I mean, the, one of the fascinating things about uh, this film is the fact of how much footage, how much, you know, camcorder footage you have there that is, you know, first-person you know, people who are, who are in these activist groups. How did you go about finding this large amount of footage? Well, having been a, a print reporter on the ground then, I knew that that there were a lot of cameras present, that, uh, that the activists and their, um, and their allies were committed to documenting what was happening uh, in a movement that was being largely either ignored or misrepresented by the larger media. Um, so I knew that they were uh, kind of full cassette tapes, and the, the challenge for me was to try to find them and to see if I could piece together enough of them that, um, that I'd be able to tell a kind of an epic story over a decade of this, of, of, of this work, the, the work that really 
brought about those new drugs. Um, as you were hinting at, um, the camcorder revolution began kind of parallel to the HIV epidemic. And, um, uh, and I think what, what we see in AIDS treatment activism is the first use by a movement of um, you know, recording equipment to self-document what was going on. Um, you know, certainly we see that today with, with cell phones, um, you know, in the trenches in, in uh, places like, you know, Iran and uh, Russia. Uh, but uh, but it, a lot of that is really built on the model that was established by the video activists, as they called themselves back then. So I started just trying to you know, find, you know, who held those cameras that I remembered. And, uh, and, and I would get, gain access to one library of tape and look through that library, uh, comb through it, just to see if I could recognize other people with cameras, and then begin a kind of a forensic undertaking to try to find those people and if uh, and to find out if those people had survived, which was not always the case, and then to just hope that they had saved this work. And, and in every instance, they had saved it, which was uh, really to, um, to, to my great uh, surprise. And... Um, and ultimately, over 30 people allowed me to use, or their estates allowed me to use, the, the footage that they had captured at that historical moment. Mm. Well, one of, the, one of the amazing facts that I found, too, is that you had something upwards of 700 hours of videotape. Right, And yeah. it's covering such a, you know, a large amount of years. What was the process like of winnowing that down and you know, what to include and what not to include. Well, it was, it, you're right, it was a huge haystack of, of uh, video cassette tapes. And, um, and then um, we spent about 14 months uh, digging through for the, for the needles, you know, for, the, for the, the specific and intimate stories of just a number of people as, as the decade progressed um, and following their uh, activities, both private and public through that period, um, and it was, it was, it was just time consuming, really, but also um, very uh, um, instructive, you know, even though I had been there, even though I'm in that footage, and you, know, you see me in the background with notepad in hand um, doing my print work, uh, there was so much that I learned or, or, or learned new or was reminded of by going back to the videotape, you know, it's like a, an instant replay. 20 years, 25 years later. Now, was there anything that you had to cut out that you really wanted to keep but just couldn't work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's really no way to tell that story, of, you know, that, that story of uh, innovative new activism in AIDS um, and, and be able to capture, you know, the, the lives of every important player in it. It was a frustration. I mean, the first cut of the film was about 13 hours long oh. um, when we put everything together and saw the beginning, middle, and end, but we saw it over two days, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, we knew we had too much, um, although all of it was just amazing um, uh, in its power to bring you back to a time of such uncertainty and such uh, you know, political disregard and disenfranchisement and watch the mechanisms uh, that were uh, uh, really uh, created by such a small group of, of int 
intensely intelligent and dedicated people. So there are lives of, of individuals who I know history should remember and, and, um, and honor that just didn't fit in a, in a more ordinary length film. Mm-hmm. And that was a heartbreak, but I, I think and hope that it leaves over the open the possibility of other films going back and looking at that period to to um, to, to give you know as, as much flesh as possible to to what was accomplished then. Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly enough, I even saw it. Uh, I think at uh, Outfest this year um, in Los Angeles. Uh, we're based here in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, basically, uh, there were two films about ACT UP alone in the, in the festival so it definitely right. seems like it seems like ripe territory to have plenty to to make when it comes to documentary filmmaking you know what happened is that you know after 96 and after uh you know the the technical plague had passed meaning we now had drugs it was now no longer an automatic death sentence to be diagnosed with hiv um then there was uh, um a really interesting but almost predictable um um, um, uh, uh, effort, I think, by the community itself, as well as by the media and the rest of the country, to to breathe a sigh of relief and move on. And um, so it, it's given us a number of years now, 15 years since then, 17 years since then, to, um, to uh, process really what we saw and what we went through. And I think sometimes it takes that period of time for a history to steep and uh, mature to the point where you can you can look back at it and make sense of it. And I think that's that's the effort certainly of how to survive a plague to try to make sense of what happened then and what legacy it left behind for the for for us as a as a culture and civilization. Mm-hmm. Well, it it is interesting how you talk about the historical context and how people kind of want to move on and forget. I mean, it's interesting how both people in the film, as well as I think a lot of astute observers would see comparisons to, you know, a war or, or even the idea of the Holocaust. Um, and in many ways, AIDS being a disease that in many ways was like living through the Holocaust in a lot of ways. Um, exactly. And it, and it left some of the same wounds that, that people experienced after yeah. the Holocaust. Do you feel like in in contemporary society, when most people think about or discuss AIDS, that that spe- specificity is left out? Well, I don't think um, I, I don't think it's a new idea for people who witnessed the plague and who survived it. Um, certainly, the, they and we have a really um, intimate um, sense of the kind of experience. That we went through, it's parallels to other experiences historically, and um, and and the baggage that we're left with over that time. And it's interesting. The Holocaust uh, parallel is interesting uh, in that the um, a, a lot of the really powerful work um, looking back at the Holocaust, the witness accounts, also took 15 years before they started to appear. And um, uh, and I think maybe for similar reasons that. Um, that it, even, even the people who went through it and survived it needed a, a period of time to to try and process what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing is, too, obviously the film is about ACT UP, 
but it is interesting, and you alluded to it before, about how, you know, um, there's so many things going on in science at that point. Did the film kind of start with ACT UP and then kind of expand out to other venues, like getting into, you know, the, the science of it and getting and calling all those experts that you could find and whatnot? Well, I wanted to tell the story about how the plague uh, came to an end. And, and it came to an end with the, um, uh, fi- finally, with the introduction of a drug called Crixivan, taken in combination with two other drugs. Um, so, it, you know, it's kind of an academic question, you know, how did we get Crixivan? But it turns out to be a very uh, dramatic, um, uh, um, you know, and human um, a journey that brought us to that drug. So it's, it's really not a story of bench science, it turns out. It's a story of um, individuals, um, m- most of them young, none of them with any scientific training, uh, but, but who had, you know, in common, and many of them, an HIV infection, uh, uh, you know, a death sentence, and a fierce will to live. And to, and, and, and to see that such an amazing and important scientific breakthrough, I mean, one that saved 8 million lives, was uh, brought, brought to life by these total outsiders. It was really an amazing story. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, as, I was, as I was working through it, I realized it's kind of a, uh, like a medical thriller, you know, this idea that, uh, that people who are marked for death find through their own means uh, the, the wherewithal uh, to make their way to survival. In in light of that, describing it as a medical thriller, what types of films, as as a first time filmmaker, or what types of things kind of inspired you, or, or or brought you to a place where you were like, I want to kind of structure it like this, or I want it to feel like this, or to have a a pacing and the editing? Because obviously, even though it is a documentary, it is cinema, so therefore, you know that. You know, and as being a first-time filmmaker, I'm sure those things kind of come into uh, account. Absolutely. And also the thing about being a first-time filmmaker is that I had no, you know, habits or bad habits mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever whatever it is that people bring to their to their filmmaking. And I, so I looked at a lot of documentaries, um, and I'm a big fan of documentaries. And I thought one of the, um, one of the limitations of the form is that, um, especially when discussing an historic event, is that you rely so heavily on, you know, people sitting in chairs today telling you about what happened. And, and I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to, um, and I had the luxury of all that footage that I could tell the story in, in, a, in, in real time as it was unfolding and invest an audience in the kind of uncertainty and dread and challenge that was posed to the people who, whose lives are documented in the, in the, in the film. But for structure, and, and that's a good question, um, and I actually, um, I very formally structured the film on uh, some of the work of Paul Greengrass. Mm. And, uh, and specifically, I was, I've always been enamored of the film uh, Bloody Sunday. I love that film. <laughs> and like Bloody Sunday, How to Survive a Plague opens up right in the middle of things. Um, and it, uh, in Bloody Sunday, there are, they are organizing on both sides to uh, stage and confront uh, a protest. And, 
and that's how he chose to use um, a similar device in the opening of How to Survive a Plague, and to not try to not try to tell people, uh, you know, in a in a, um, in a uh, expository way, but to show people what was happening and how people were responding to it. And I think it sets up the tension uh, that existed at the time. I knew it was going to be hard to remind younger people especially, to, to show younger people especially, um, how tense those days were, um, because it's almost unimaginable that they, they could have been, uh, that people with uh, HIV could have been so disregarded and so almost loathed by, you know, a kind of a, a official America. And, um, and, and the footage kind of allows us to see that. And so that, that's why I went to, to, to Greengrass, because he's such a, a genius in, in explaining um, events in ways that make you feel like you've just been thrown right into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially, um, you know, speaking of, you know, this as a chronicle for young people, young people like myself, um, what do you think that young people, whether in LGBT activism or not, um, could learn both good and bad from ACT UP. I mean, having covered them and covered the, you know, it age since 1982 and having so much time and, and, and making a documentary, like, what do you think people in activism can learn from? Well, you know, I, I think that the main lesson is that, that the, the power of the individual um, uh, can make a difference. I mean, I, you know, I think that's, that's uh, somebody once called it the central myth of American life, but, um, but I, I, I think it's kind of a human truism, and we have to be reminded of it over and over, that, um, that even the most disenfranchised people um, who you would least expect to um, kind of rise up against uh, insurmountable optical, obstacles um, can, um, when organized properly, and, and, and given the urgency and drive necessary, can actually do what uh, people trained to make those differences had failed to do. Um, and in this case, it's you know the scientific breakthrough. But I think it applies really to to all aspects of, kind of social change and social justice. That um, that there are these kind of kinetic and exciting moments in history where uh, ordinary people are doing extraordinary things and. Uh, and, and changing everything about the landscape of you know, civic life that we know and, uh, and enjoy today. Mm-hmm. Do you think that spark of, uh, of passion is, exists today in LGBT politics? I don't know if it does in LGBT politics. Uh, I, you know, we've seen it in uh, last year's Occupy movement. We saw uh, that sense of urgency, that sense of... Um, a conviction to to grab power, to seize the um, seize control of the narrative, to envision a new future and and work toward it. Um, you know, I there there have been tremendous uh, advances, of course, in uh, marriage equality, um, but I, I don't I don't see them as being similar. I think you know, marriage equality is not a, a, a about revolutionizing. It's not about changing the world. It's about expanding the uh, inner circle in a way. And, um, and 
you know, it's, and it and it has it doesn't have the same urgency that uh, the life and death struggle of aid survival necessitated. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested too. Um, you know, as anyone who are aspiring journalists, young people, uh, or aspiring filmmakers, tackling such a specific, expansive subject in history like this, um, what would what would you say to a person like that? Well, I'd say just dive into it. I mean, um, you know, the uh, the best the best journalist is one who's just curious uh, and and won't take no for an answer and. Um, and, and, and is driven to get to the truth. And I think a film has to do the same thing. You know, I think I, I think that um, that there are that there are few instances um, and, and few examples of uh, storytelling in a way that tries to reach for these moments of fundamental change and find out how they happened, find out you know what it took to get there. You know, as, as I said before, I was a journalist on the ground, um, n- uh, not an activist. Um, and I, I was on the periphery of AIDS activism uh, as an AIDS journalist because the AIDS activists were finding things that I wasn't able to find. They were they were um, uh, they were making inroads in ways that um, journalists were being rebuffed. And um, but watching them, I realized that that they were doing something that was that had potential to to make a difference to save lives. And I invested a great deal of hope that they would find their way through. And and, uh, and I stayed, you know, at their side for that, it, the film covers a decade um, before they were able to make their ultimate breakthroughs. And, um, and, uh, uh, and, and so I, I think the film, although I think there's some bravery in the storytelling in the film, I think really the, the, the film is, it, it is made um, powerful by this incredible energy and genius and, um, and camaraderie that you see in it that was being um, built and developed by these activists. A, really a tremendous story. And as I started out to, uh, to uh, build the documentary, I thought um, it, it's such a heroic and thrilling, really, uh, story of triumph that all I had to do was stand out of the way and, and just become the vehicle that to carry their stories forward. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm curious, too, uh, it, will this be uh, a standalone film for you, or is uh, it, would this maybe be a new avenue of journalism uh, for you to make documentaries? Well, it's certainly a, uh, it was certainly a, a new challenge for me after all these years, and, and I loved it. I, you know, I loved the form. I loved the, um, the way that a, a documentary, the way that a film uh, brings a story to a different audience than a book does or a long-form magazine piece does, which is where I've spent my years toiling, um, and uh, and I'm really invigorated by by the power of documentary and uh, and by the way that uh, that the footage is so visceral and so uh, connective between the generations that um, yeah, sure, I'd love to try it again. Mm. It's um. It's one of those things, though, where, you know, the first time you try something, you, you have the benefit of being so naive, you have no idea how hard it is. <laughs> and uh, the second time out, you really know what it's going to take. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see if I have the courage to try mm-hmm. it again. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I hope you do, and I, I will say it is quite a visceral documentary, and I, each time I've seen this film, uh, I've definitely <laughs> cried at multiple points in this film. Uh, it's such an inspiring and just, like, emboldening and just beautiful picture. Uh, well, thank obviously... you. I hope you also laughed. And, uh... Oh, yes, definitely. Okay. <laughs> Right. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a, and, you know, I'd like to remind people that it's, you know, that people laughed a lot in mm. AIDS activism, and, and people were, um, you know, they built a culture around it that was so exciting. Right. That, right. that uh, and that's what makes it different than those stories that are just about the sadness. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Well, um, How to Survive a Plague comes out uh, September 21st in New York, L.A., um, anywhere else? Uh, Chicago and San Francisco on the first weekend. And okay. We platform from, from there across the country. Awesome. Well, that's so exciting. And I will say, just as a side note, here at the Alternative Chronicle, we're big fans of documentary, and this is definitely one of the best films of the year. Um, oh, thank and you. we... And it's just like, I feel like it's such an important historical, you know, story that's just not told or seen by a lot of people outside of those people who lived it. Um, And I just want to thank you, David Grant, uh, for your time and uh, for making the film.